Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Low Bottom High Rise podcast. You guys, super excited to talk to you about one of the subjects I'm most passionate about and actually was requested by you, by you guys, by my audience. Um, it's something that's so intuitive to me and something I live every single day that sometimes I forget that I've become an expert on it. And that is intermittent fasting. It's something that I studied extensively about, gosh, almost 10 years ago, implemented into my life almost 10 years ago and have been doing it ever since. So I want to kind of give you my my expertise, but also my expertise from my experience. So I'm going to lay out just some different types of fasting. I'm going to share exactly what I do in my life, hopefully give you just some knowledge and some tips and encourage you to try it on your own. So let's dig in. There are a million different ways to fast. I'm going to go over uh, just a few of them, a few of the more popular ones. One is called ADF, alternate day fasting. Are you ready for this? That is 24 hours on and 24 hours off, which actually in regards to ADF specifically translates to a 36 hour fast and an eating window of 12 hours. That sounds crazy to me. Now, I don't I would never judge anybody's way of fasting, but to me, I don't like to live in extremes. I always try to strike that middle ground and um, just kind of want to share that that's one of the fasting ways that are that is out there. Another way um, is a 24-hour fast once a week, right? So you're eating normally throughout the week. You're not really thinking about, you're not fasting at all, but you pick one day. Uh, a lot of times it's Sunday for people and they fast for a 24 hour window once a week. Again, for me, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I don't think I want to do it. You know, um, I think at some point you begin to break down muscle um, if you're in your fasting window for too long. So again, just another, another option but not my option. The option that I have lived by for the last decade is something called the 16-8 or lean gains method. And basically that breaks down to not out of 24 hours, you're not eating for 16 of those 24 hours and your eating window becomes an eight hour window. Um, so for me personally, what this looks like in a perfect world, which Lord knows life is never perfect, I would finish eating at 6.30 or 7 in the evening, and then I would have my next meal at 10.30 or 11 the next day. That does not sound so extreme, right? But that's a 16-hour fasting window, which is your body's going to drive insane benefits from that. Um, but here's the thing. Think about this. For me personally, if I was, if you were to tell me like, eat your last meal by 9 p.m., but don't eat the next day till 1 p.m., I would be like, oh my gosh, that seems so hard, right? So you've got to find the window that works with your life. And you also have to, this is super important, Give yourself time to adjust. So I've taught intermittent fasting for many years and people always love to jump right into the 16 hour window. I'm like, wait a second, you're used to eating at 10 o'clock at night and then waking up and having breakfast at 6 p.m. or 6 a.m., right? So in a normal world, you're maybe only fasting for eight hours at night, like from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. You don't want to throw your body into shock and try to all of a sudden 
double that fasting window. You got to start small, right? So take note of what your life looks like right now, what your kind of normal habit looks like. And you want to inch your way forward into that 16-hour window. Again, I'm, I'm going to say this over and over again. I really want you to start to not look outside yourself for the answer on Google or the, the formula on the podcast that you're listening to. I want you to listen to your body because your body knows what's best for you better than any expert could ever tell you. But I'm going to suggest some things and just share my experience that let's say in your everyday life, your average, if you, if you think about it, you're like, ah, oh, I usually finish eating dinner at like eight o'clock at night. And I usually have breakfast at eight o'clock the next morning. So your average window is 12 hours right now. What I would start with is 13. Just stretch it just by an hour till your body gets a little comfortable and then stretch it to 14 hours, right? Just kind of stair step your way there. You want to give yourself about, you know, a week or two to make that transition to more hours under your belt. Our bodies are so easy to train, so easy to train. But I can tell you, you're going to be hungry. If you're used to eating breakfast every day at 8 a.m. and you wake up and you're like, I'm not going to eat. Moira told me I should stretch it by an hour and I'm going to try not to eat till 9 a.m. You're going to be starving, but you can get through it for an hour. Let me tell you a little story also, because I know there's so many schools of thought and intermittent fasting can be controversial. So there have been periods in my life before intermittent fasting, where I used to wake up crazy to me. I used to wake up and actually go to the gym at like 5.30 in the morning before my kids woke up when they were baby babies. Um, And I had to eat. Like I would wake up, scramble eggs, make a piece of toast, maybe eat a half a banana with some nut butter. Like I had to physiologically eat a large meal before I went to the gym to work out or I felt God's honest truth, like I was going to pass out in the middle of the gym. My body at that point was conditioned to need that meal, right? I had, I had conditioned my body to know that this meal was coming in. That's what it was depending on for fuel for my workout. And so if I skimped on that or skipped it, it was, it was, it was impossible to work out. I now work out in the fasted state every single day. Here's the flip side. If I ate that meal now before I worked out, I would literally puke, you guys. Like I I would throw up in the gym. No, no exaggeration. So our bodies are so adaptable and we can condition them to where we want to go, but we have to take small steps to get there. So many people, and we've probably all done this, right? We do these extreme things and then our body literally can't handle it. So we bag it, right? It's so important to, to just take those baby steps. Um, I want to go back for a minute and kind of tell you how I fell into this too, because this belief and um, just passion for fasting, it comes from a really kind of hard place in my life. So I was always um, coming down with strep throat when I was little, always. Like I felt like that was my whole childhood. I always had strep throat. And as an adult, when I was in my, I guess, mid-20s into early 30s, I also fell victim to strep throat to the point where at this like pivotal point, I was getting strep throat 
once or twice a month as an adult. And, you know, I was going the traditional route that I was given way too many rounds of antibiotics and steroids, but it was, it was such an extreme case of every time I got strep, it would, you know, come on and, and I would end up in the ER, like with IVs and need to steroids to bring down the swelling in my throat so I could breathe and talk. Like it would almost be like my jaw was wired shut and it would happen within hours. It was just out of control, crazy. And nothing was working. Nothing was working. And so after seeing doctor after doctor after doctor, I finally decided to go a little bit alternative, right? And I was like, screw this. (laughs) I'm going to do a juice fast. I had been researching things and fasting was one of the things that kept coming up. And so I did a juice cleanse back then for the first time in my entire life. And I will tell you, that in 48 hours, I felt better than I had in a year and a half. Sick or not sick, in 48 hours on a juice fast, I felt better than I had in a year and a half. Yeah? So that's how fasting was born into my life. I actually ended up uh, opening up a cold-pressed juice company because it was such a solution in my life. So let me break down kind of a little bit of science behind this, and I'm going to do it at a very general digestible, you know, level. So it takes about eight hours for your body to fully, fully digest the last meal you consumed. Now that's going to be a lot longer than eight hours. If it was Thanksgiving dinner, it's going to be maybe a little less than eight hours if it was a light meal. But think about this. Maybe you finish eating at nine o'clock at night, right? So it's 5 a.m., before your body has actually finished fully digesting that meal, 5 a.m. And then you wake up and then you eat breakfast at 6 a.m. Yeah, kind of normal, right? It seems like, well, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. But your body has been so busy at night. It takes an immense amount of energy to digest and break down food and take it through your body. And so all of your energy, I always think of it as like these little worker bees in your body, right? Like all these little worker bees and they're like, we got to digest this food. And none of them have any time to go work on anything else, like fight infections, um, decrease inflammation, you know, work on, you know, replenishing your cells, nothing. Like they've been fully occupied by digesting food all night None of them have been able to go do anything else. Yeah? (laughs) This is just what I've always pictured in my brain. When we fast, we're still going to have that eight-hour window of digesting that that last meal. But we give ourselves, if you're in a 16-hour fasting window, we give ourselves eight more hours. Not 30 minutes. Eight hours for our body to do all the other things it needs to do, repair, replenish, rebuild, fight infections that we don't even know that are there, right? So the first thing, when you start to implement this, the first thing that I think you're going to notice is what your face and your eyes look like when you look in the mirror in the morning. Absolutely. That's the first thing. That is the biggest thing that I see. And I notice when I eat a late meal, I wake up the next morning and I'm like, Oh, I don't even drink you guys. I've been sober for 23 years. And I look like I went on a bender the night before. 
because my body hasn't had time to work on the inflammation that's in my body. So when I am really on point with my fasting, I wake up clear-minded, bright-eyed, depuffed, right? And and just feeling absolutely refreshed. So I want you to take note of that and just kind of understand the why behind fasting. Here's another thing. We're just going to keep going. (laughs) I personally like to eat a lot of food and this is super key and probably the biggest mistake I see people make when they step into intermittent fasting. Say that your breakfast at 6am is maybe you know, a piece of toast with peanut butter or a banana with some almond butter or something like that, or a protein bar like some people eat. That cannot be your first meal when you break your fast. Our body is depleted at this point and it is ready to literally be refed, right? So your first meal, think of it as a refeeding. I usually have something like two eggs, some oatmeal or sweet potatoes, some fruit, um, sometimes adding some healthy fats like avocado or nut butter. You have to have a very substantial meal as that first meal. Otherwise, an hour later, you're going to feel like you're going to pass out and you're going to be like, this intermittent fasting thing is not for me. I cannot do this, right? So I really want you to make sure that first meal is kind of extra large. Um, here's, the, here's what that's going to look like now for me. I'm just going to tell you what it looks like for me. So I'm usually eating breakfast at 11 and my ending of my feed window is 7 p.m. It's not always perfect. And we're going to talk about flexibility in a minute. But so I eat that really, really, really big breakfast at 11 I usually have a little snack, maybe at like two, and then I eat another large meal at three o'clock, like large meal. Think of it like for me, it's like a late lunch, but it is again, super, super substantial. Yeah. And then I'm eating dinner at about 630 and it's an, again, like a really big meal. The main reason I, and I'm guessing a lot of people can probably relate to this If you're a late night eater or your hands are in the cookie jar or even a late night binger, the number one reason, the number one reason you binge at night or you overeat at night is because you're under eating during the day. You have to eat enough fuel throughout the day, enough food, enough of the proper foods, right? You got to get a certain amount of carbohydrates, a certain amount of healthy fats, a certain amount of protein, veggies, all that stuff. You have to eat a significant amount of food all throughout the day. And if you do that, you're going to come to the end of your fasting window, just using that example of mine, which is seven o'clock at night, and you're going to have no desire to eat another bite or morsel of food. So trust me on this. A lot of times the women I coach, they need to eat more in order to lose weight, which is kind of crazy to think, but that's usually more often than not the solution. 
If you're looking for some more in-depth training on mindset practices and how to create your vision, how to reverse engineer your goals, how to craft your morning process, all of the things that I'm super passionate about, you guys, the Rise Up course is where it's at. It is literally my lifetime, my mind in a course, every single tip, strategy, and hack that you could possibly ask me about is in this course. So jump into the show notes right below and you'll see the link for the Rise Up course and my Rise Up planner and you guys can rise up with us. I'm going to talk to you about one other thing that's kind of an aside and that is um, travel because I'm actually getting ready to hop on a plane. And so I came like probably a few years into my fasting journey. I started to really study the effects of fasting and jet lag and there, guys, just Google it. It's like there's so many amazing articles out there that talk about the benefits of fasting, even for a longer period, possibly depending on where you're traveling to, and how it helps immensely with jet lag. And so, in the past, I would let's say it was like you know, I'm traveling during the day, which I'm usually traveling during the day, I would try to not eat all the airport crap, right? Like, I'm not eating the pretzels on the plane and, and the junky food. But I'm still making nutritious, as nutritious as I can, choices in the airport as I travel throughout my day. And I would still arrive with jet lag, with feeling crappy. Like you just feel like junk when you get off of an airplane, right? Your skin is dry. Everything seems puffy and bloated. And I'm telling you, if you can fast while you are traveling, Your body will immediately adjust to that time zone and you are not going to have jet lag and you're going to feel 10,000 times better than you ever have in the past. But again, upon arrival, and it's something I like dream about, right upon arrival, not at the airport, but find a restaurant and go out and eat a decadent, wholesome, nutritious, big meal. And you're going to be immediately acclimated to that time zone. You're going to feel good. It's going to be so fun to have this yummy meal wherever you're traveling to instead of getting off the plane and feeling like crap, right? So just want to give you that tip on on air travel. Let's chat next. Um, I want to touch on sleep and hormones. So this is kind of a little bit more science behind it. And I'm just going to give you the basics, but it's so important, right? I talked about how at night we need that energy to repair, replenish, and rebuild everything. But we're going to talk about HGH, human growth hormone, okay? Guys have more more of it. <laughs> it's partly due why, you know, due to the fact, or not due to the fact, it's why they like age gracefully and um, we don't as women. Well, I'm telling you, we need more of it, right? It affects everything. It affects the aging process. It affects our skin. It affects all of that. So how do we get more HGH, human growth hormone? Well, guess what happens when you're fasting? Human growth hormone rises, right? Because insulin drops, And when insulin drops, human growth growth hormone rises. When we exercise, it also rises. So we're going to talk about exercise in a second, but I just want to touch on sleep. And this is going to be the same philosophy that I'm telling you with intermittent fasting. If you are, you know, super sleep deprived, like I was for so long, I, I dealt with insomnia forever. And I, I don't want to sit here and tell you, you got to get eight hours of sleep because it's not possible for you. 
possibly, right? Right. Maybe that in your, in your life, you're like, yeah, great in theory, but never going to freaking happen. I hear you. I hear you on that. And what I want you to start with, I want you to, I want you to aim for a minimum of seven hours of sleep. So I do want you to have some type of target to grow into. You know how we talked about if you are fasting normally for 12 hours into that to 13, then extend it to 14, then extend it to 15. If you're sleeping five hours, start with trying to get five and a half hours of sleep and then increase that to a goal of six hours. But have your target be a minimum. I would love for you to get eight. I never get eight. (laughs) Have a minimum as your target of seven hours hours. Because again, the longer you sleep, you're giving your body more time for human growth hormone to rise, right? That's going to impact everything that you want it to impact, aging, skin, all of that. But your body is going to have more time to for cellular repair, to replenish everything, to rebuild on a cellular level. The more sleep, I can't even tell you how much sleep or I should say lack of sleep impacts sugar cravings. If you're like me and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm such a sugar addict. Why am I craving sugar all the time? I can't stop eating it. I can guarantee you if you sleep more, those sugar cravings will decrease significantly. I actually right now in my life am tracking that I am checking off on a habit tracker every day that I am getting seven hours of sleep. And I have, I mean, there's other things that I'm doing, but I have self-proclaimed sugar addict. I have had zero, zero, zero desire for sweets or sugar in the last few weeks. And it's literally been three weeks since I started tracking sleep. And here's the difference. This is, I, I want you to understand that anytime that you radically try to change your habits or radically try to change your life, there's like a 99% chance of failure, right? Because change doesn't come out of these huge decisions to radically change things. Change comes from focusing small, not big. It comes from you trying to get 15 more minutes of sleep. It comes from you trying to extend your intermittent fasting window by 15 minutes or 30 minutes, right? So that's where I want you to focus. And what has happened in my life in the last three weeks is I've just been conscious of it, right? So I love to check off that I've succeeded in something. (laughs) So this habit tracker, I'm super driven to like check off that I've accomplished it. And so almost every night I get into bed and I love to read. And so I want to read and read and read and read and read. And I get up every day at 5.15. Well, I got to be asleep by 10.15 if I am going to get my seven hours. And so I'll get into bed at 10 o'clock and I'm like, dang it. I only have 15 minutes to read because I have to shut the light off and get to sleep by 10.15. But if I wasn't tracking that habit... I I can guarantee you every single night, I would be up at least until 11. Guys, that's seven hours less sleep a week. That's a whole night. Think about that, how that's impacting your body and your performance, right? In everything. (laughs) So you have to be more conscious of your sleep, especially if you're struggling with your nutrition. I believe intermittent fasting, sleep, and hydration for me, are impacting my my body and my weight more than anything right now. Um, all right. So we're going to talk about one more topic and that, and well, we're going to talk about a few things as we wrap up, but what about working out when you're intermittent fasting? 
right? We talked about this earlier. I believe that I was able to bring my body through an adjustment period to get it to a point where it was primed and ready to work out in a fasted state. I personally would vomit if I worked out pre-workout right now. So there's lots and lots of schools on that. You can find, you know, you can find science to back up both sides of it. But I really believe that when we have, when our insulin is lower, right? When you're in a fasted state, your insulin drops and you show up to work out. Guess what your body has to use for fuel? Not insulin, right? Not the carbohydrates that are coursing through your veins, not the sugar. It has to pull from your fat stores for fuel. Again, when you first step into this, your body is going to be like, what? There is no insulin readily available. There are no carbohydrates coursing through her veins. I don't know where to get my energy, and I think I'm going to pass out. There's an adaptive process, right? So stick with it, and don't jump right into the deep end, but give yourself a chance to adjust. And when your body starts working out in a fasted state and pulling your fuel from your fat stores, you're going to be a happy camper, I promise. Um, okay. As we wrap up, this is what I want to chat about because this is probably the number one question I get about intermittent fasting. A lot of people in my world use a pre-workout supplement, like a green tea extract to kind of boost their energy right before they, they work out. I could not live without it. And then a lot of people also use, um, a recovery drink post-workout, like a BCAAs drink, branch chain amino acids. So do I do that? Yes, I do. So here is my philosophy in life, but also my philosophy around intermittent fasting. It works for me, right? I will absolutely work out and take my uh, pre-workout. I believe that my body uses it for fuel immediately and burns it out. And then post-workout, I usually do about a half a serving of recovery. So the science or probably what you can find the most out there in the world is that if you are consuming over 50 calories, then you are breaking your fast and you're not intermittent fasting. And I've had a million people tell me that they're like, you're not intermittent fasting if you're doing that. I'm like, I don't care what you want to label it as. I don't eat in a 16 hour window, right? I don't eat and consume food that my body needs to break down. I do a pre-workout, I do a half a serving of post-workout, and it's amazing for me and for my body and for my life. And so it works for me. You've got to find out what works for you instead of always trying to follow these rules that society and so-called you know, professionals are putting out there. You're always going to be able to find two different schools of thought on everything, both ends of the spectrum. So you got to figure out what works for you. Um, I will note this, that in a perfect world, perfect world certainly doesn't exist for me, <laughs> you would work out at the, towards the very end of your fasting window. So if I, um, if I'm eating at 11 a.m. for my first meal in a perfect world, I am going to work out at 9.30 or 10, right? And so I don't really have to worry about, am I breaking my fast or am I not breaking my fast? I'm supposed to break my fast after my workout. So I'm going to have that really big meal that's going to refuel and replenish my muscles and my body and my glycogen stores and all of that. But that doesn't work for me. I, I do not want to work out. I'm in like full work mode at 9, 10 a.m. So again, you got to be flexible and you got to figure out what works for you, your body, and your life. Lastly, I think I've said that three times, but lastly, special circumstances. Meaning if 
all of a sudden tonight, you know, I started, I ate breakfast at 11 if, and so I'm supposed to be done by seven tonight. If all of a sudden I have friends call in a couple hours and they say, Hey, we have a reservation, but it's not till eight 30 tonight. We really want you guys to join us for dinner on the Island. Can you please come? Um, yes, I will be there and we will have an amazing meal and enjoy amazing company and have a great night. I'm not ever going to rearrange my life to fit my intermittent fasting schedule. What I'm going to do is go out to dinner later tonight, enjoy the heck out of it, come home. I am not going to finagle the intermittent fasting window and then try to push it later tomorrow to, to into tomorrow. I'm just going to eat breakfast at 11 tomorrow. And I'm going to get right back on that cycle where my body feels the best, right? Same thing goes with what's probably even more common is breakfast on the weekends, Um, my family, my body is so trained to truly not want food until late morning. So even when my, you know, husband's cooking eggs or something, you know, maybe at like eight 30 in the morning on a Saturday, I don't want it. Like I have no desire, but again, if it's like Sunday brunch and my family's going out to brunch at nine o'clock in the morning, I'm going to have breakfast at nine o'clock in the morning because I'm never going to live my life so rigidly that I sit there and not eat because I can't eat until 11 a.m., right? So allow yourself to be flexible with this. Allow yourself to not be so rigid that you throw in the towel on the idea of intermittent fasting. Um, One more thought. Last time, I promise. If this doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you, right? Allow the flexibility. But I have a dear friend of mine that's like, oh my gosh, I cannot intermittent fast. And I'm like, well, then you shouldn't. It What works for one person is not going to work for everybody, right? There's also going to be seasons in your life where maybe you try something on for size and it doesn't work today at all. But then you try it on again for size two years from now and it changes your entire life. So be open right? Be open, be flexible, try things, give it, always give it time. And I hope that this was super helpful to you actually. And you know why I sprung this up at the last minute, because this is dropping on a Monday. Um, I am starting a free intermittent fasting course, totally free. Um, I usually do that once a year and it just so happens to be right now. So I have a private Facebook group and you can be part of that. And it allows me to have the back and forth conversation with you guys, right? To drop all the information and give you all of that guidance. But it also allows us to do a lot of Q&A and really help guide you on this journey as you start to navigate it. So reach out to me. There's actually a link in the show notes below. And that is it for today. Thanks so much, guys. Make it a great day.